Welcome to the Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective with your host, Joel Sedekes. And now get ready to think. All right. Welcome everybody to the Think Podcast with Joel Sedekes. I'm Joel Sedekes, and this is the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. Well, have you ever had an intense conversation with someone who held radically different beliefs than you did about life's big questions, about the universe, uh, about everything? Most of us try to avoid those questions. Uh, Some of us would rather die than have those questions, but my guest today actually intentionally seeks them out. Justin Brierley is the theology and apologetics editor for Premier Christianity. He's the host of the unbelievable and Ask NT Write Anything podcasts, uh, as well as the program, The Big Conversation. And he's the author of Unbelievable, Why After Talking with Atheists for 10 Years, I'm Still a Christian. For over 10 years, actually probably closer to 15 now, he can confirm this, uh, for over 10 years, Justin has been facilitating discussions with the world's leading Christians and skeptical thinkers. I've been listening to his show since uh, I've been listening to his show since about 2013, and as someone who's been hosting interfaith discussions myself since about the same time, I've been greatly influenced by Justin's calm, patient demeanor, especially even when his guests tend to get very riled up. And, um, and Justin's neutral style. So today we're going to talk about how to host epic conversations between believers and non-believers and uh, why after hearing all the arguments against, against Christianity, he is still a Christian. I've got a few other questions I want to ask him as well. So Justin Brierley, welcome to the Think Podcast. Thank you very much, Joel. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Uh, I, I was saying just before we came on air that you're you're a bit better dressed than I am, so I, I apologize. <laughs> the lockdown um, is obviously a bit smarter for you than it is for me. You, you know something? Um, here in America, we're just uh, we're just trying to play catch up to the, the level of classiness you all have. So <laughs> looks like I you're way ahead to me. Looks like you're <laughs> way ahead. <laughs> Not at all. So, uh, well, thank you. Really, thank you for for joining me. You know. Um, I mentioned this in the introduction, but um, you know I've been uh, following your work and a big fan of what you're doing with Unbelievable and the Big Conversation for years now. As a matter of fact, I used to host this group called the Pub Forum, um, and we would meet in a bar and we would have intentional faith-based or philosophical conversations between Christians and non-Christians. And on my way over on my drive, I would listen to Unbelievable just to sort of get it in my head. Hey, this is how you moderate a good conversation. And um, so I've really, really appreciated your work. Um, To everyone listening, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you can leave a comment or a question. And uh, if we have time at the end, Justin and I will try to address those at the end. So, um, So first of all, you and your wife, Lucy, you guys have four kids. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 15, 12, 9, and 4 years old. So wonderful See, the age range. So you and I are both gluttons for punishment then. Because, uh, <laughs> How many do you have, Joel? We've got four as well. Wow. 
there you go yeah they, they keep us busy um to be honest I, I i'm i'm kind of really glad of it during lockdown because uh the house is always full of you know kids and laughter and they kind of look after each other as well so so i've i've really we've really seen the benefit of having you know a few different people around during lockdown yeah absolutely same here uh as long as we can keep the excitement level i think my kids are a little younger but as long as we can keep the excitement level you know below that threshold <laughs> below yeah. the tipping point <laughs> i know what you mean and uh you know i just finished your book unbelievable the cool. book i uh, just finished it uh actually early this morning mm. and um you know i i i found it compelling i found it fascinating and one of the things that i noticed is you became a christian at about age 15 is that right that's right yes yeah so th that was sort of a, a church youth camp i guess you would call it um and i'd grown up going to church with my family uh, so it wasn't like i came from nothing but um i would say that's when it became alive for me truth you know that i sometimes people think you sort of inherit your faith from your parents and grandparents but but i don't believe that's true i think every every christian has to own their faith for themselves and and yeah there was a sort of fairly profound moment at that youth camp where things fell into place the penny dropped and and i would say i i kind of measure my christian walk from that moment onwards really and in your book you describe it as having a like a personal experience with god what, what how would you describe that personal experience for someone who's never experienced it hmm. yeah uh, well i'm not going to say that my experience is sort of the de facto experience i think god comes to people in different ways in different situations and times and uh but at that moment you know for me it was it was a point where i think uh i think i was ready to hear and ready to to sort of put my life on a on a bit of a new level um you know your mid to late teens is kind of when you're sorting through a lot of things isn't it and deciding in a way what direction you're going to go and for me um i had an experience really where where you know what i would describe in retrospect as as um the holy spirit really coming into my life in a way that sort of really turned me on to god to scripture to prayer to um really taking this christian thing seriously and 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 feeling like there was a genuine connection there with god um so that was that was quite a sort of yeah wham bam moment um as i say i think it will be different for different people though my wife lucy hers hers has always been a, a sort of more gentle gradual sort of growing awareness of god really over the course of many years um and we're both at the same destination we got there slightly different ways but the important thing i think is that you you arrive at the same destination in a way so um so that was my my experience um but as i say it's it is different for everyone isn't it oh yeah absolutely and i remember for myself at age 15 i i became a christian at a young age uh five or so but at 15 i definitely had a crisis of faith and there seems to be something about those those teenage years where you really wrestle with those big questions and um yeah i, I think a lot of people i i would say i had it depends what you call a crisis of faith really but i had a sort of crisis of faith once i got to university uh, and I started to be challenged by some of the folk there and one particular person that that sort of led me to question whether, you know, whether that experience really meant anything. And I think that was the point at which I discovered that actually uh, it's important, you know, it's great to have personal experiences of God um, that, are, that are very sort of, in a sense, emotional and tangible in that way. But equally, um, it's important that we invest in 
the the foundational truths and evidence for Christianity as well. And so it was really during university and after that that I started to engage in you know what what you and I are both engaged in in a way Christian apologetics and finding you know objective reasons for faith. And it's when I brought those two together that that I felt actually there there's this a really firm foundation for Christianity and for for faith. Um, so so yeah probably. Um, it's very hard to sometimes divide up exactly what's going on in those those teenage years isn't it but but certainly there was a very profound experience but also questions and doubts that came along you know within a couple of years of that um but ultimately uh, something where i i was able to put the pieces together and and continue to grow and um, my faith to, to to take shape over the course of time so this was this was in university and it was a it was a skeptic or was it was it an atheist who was raising these questions to you or, or was this person affiliated with another religion uh this was just a skeptic really um who i'd been friends with at the time and uh it was a um a situation where they they were just sort of basically you know poking some holes in my faith i mean looking back on it now i don't think the questions or the doubts they were raising now seem particularly difficult to deal with but at the time when when i knew very little and was was very unaware really of the whole area of of christian apologetics or or the or the you know the range of evidence that exists um they seemed to me to be sort of you know difficult questions to answer um and and i think that it kind of threw me a curveball i would say it left me for a couple of weeks wondering you know do i believe this stuff why do i believe this stuff you know it was it just a you know a figment of my imagination as this person would have claimed it was um as i say in a way i i'm very grateful for that experience though because i think it was part of what led me to to begin to investigate for myself the sort of the rational basis for christianity and and i'm not saying that's the you know the only way to answer these kinds of questions and many people get on in their life fine without having you know uh, having to explore a great deal these sorts of questions but for many people myself included it is important to get to grips with the questions and the doubts and the rational evidences for faith and so for me i in a way i'm, I'm very grateful to that person who sort of sparked that journey even though it was um difficult at the time well how incredible is that that uh, the lord used a skeptic in your college years to spark uh, to to catalyze the journey that would eventually lead to you hosting you know hundreds of conversations between christians and atheists and and uh you know doing uh really uh starting an apologetics movement uh in a lot of ways or at least hosting the conversation on the movement yeah no I, and of course i would never have you know at the time that that, that incident occurred in my first year i think it was end of my first year at university i I, I, ne I never dreamed of what might be in terms of the unbelievable show and podcast and so on. That all came really several years later down the pipe once I was finished university, married, had started my radio broadcasting career. The the show itself really came uh, a few years into um, my work at Premier Christian Radio, which is uh, one of the only Christian radio stations in the UK. And, and that primarily was sparked by the fact that I felt we were doing a good job presenting Christians with christian resources and and getting them talking and thinking and we had you know worship music and teaching on the radio station but i didn't feel like we had a space for actually hearing what those kinds of conversations look like when we are actually asked 
make a defense of our faith with our friends and neighbors and colleagues and so on. So that was really what Unbelievable was aiming to do when we started it. Yeah. 14 and a half years ago now, believe it or not. Um, and and just at one point on a Saturday afternoon when we could have those kinds of conversations. And yeah, and that's that's where it all began, really. So you've been doing this for almost 15 years. Um, about five years ago, you decided it was time to write a book. What sparked that? Why, why write that after 10 years? Uh, was there a particular conversation that you had that led to that? Or was it just, you know, a decade is a good period of time to uh, pause and, and think back on the yeah. last 10 years? Yeah. So the book actually came about about three years ago. Um, and at the time I was writing it, I was about 10, just over 10 years into the show. So I did give it this this title, um, uh, Unbelievable Why After 10 Years of Talking with Atheists, I'm Still a Christian. I remember when I hosted the 10th anniversary sort of edition of the show, uh, I kind of made it one of those ask me anything type of shows. And one of the most frequent questions that came in, both from Christians and non-Christians who were listening, was how come you're still a Christian after hearing all of these objections to faith, hosting all of these skeptics, you know, world renowned people. And, uh, and so I thought, well, to really genuinely answer that would take a book. And that's eventually what I, I wrote essentially. Uh, and, and it was a way having very much been the neutral moderator on the show for many years. Um, it was me laying down my cards on the table and explaining why, I'm still a Christian, why I still believe Christianity makes best sense of the available data. Um, and so it was an uh, it was an opportunity to talk about the show, introduce a lot of new people to the show, actually, as it turned out, and also to make the case for Christianity over the course of several chapters, drawing on lots of the stories and things and, you know, conversations that we'd had on the show with people on both sides of the fence. Um, so that was really where the book came from. And um, by doing that in a way i sort of for the first time launched my own sort of uh, case for christianity and it led to me doing actually a lot more conversations debates where i was actually advocating for the christian position rather than simply being the neutral moderator in, in the middle right so uh, let's talk now about the process of of hosting these epic conversations um what what's the what's the number one thing that you'd want our listeners to leave here with in terms of what do they need to understand about how to host, how to facilitate a really good conversation? Well, there's a few key ingredients, I think. Um, the first is that I, I think you have to be, you have to have someone who knows how to conduct a conversation. So some, I think having a moderator is really useful in any kind of conversation, because uh, if it's someone who's experienced, they can move things along when they need to be moved along, then they can ask questions sometimes if, uh, you know, one side isn't really properly explaining their position. Um, it's, it's, it's helpful. Uh, what I've always tried to be essentially is um, the listener I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the person who's watching or listening and thinking, what question are they asking right now? What What is the thing that's maybe not being said here? Because when the, the two people dialoguing are, are in the middle of things, you know, they've got their own agendas. They've got the things that they want to get across. But actually, we want to make sure that the listener is served um, throughout that. So I think having a good moderator in the middle of a discussion is, is always good. Um, and of course, selecting the right guests. Um, I've had some some occasions when it just hasn't worked, frankly, because 
I've had two guests and they've kind of sailed past each other because they just haven't connected for whatever reason. So it's become a, it's a bit of an art choosing the right two guests who are going to be well matched in terms of the way they bring themselves across. You don't want, you know, a really highfalutin academic on one side and and a very sort of armchair pundit on the other necessarily because you, you're probably going to find they don't it doesn't connect quite right you want to make sure the guests um work together um and of course you want to find the hook into the conversation you want to get into that discussion pretty quickly you don't want to um tiptoe around the edges of it too much um so so there, there are a number of things i think that help to make especially if it's being done for the public uh, a conversation that's interesting engaging um, you want a little bit of drama in there as well. Let's not forget. So, you, you know, the, your choice of speakers, you're, you're going to be looking for people who themselves are engaging and connect well. Um, you know, you, it, I've sometimes had those moments, you know, sad to say, where I've had someone who's uh, on paper looks great. They, their writing is amazing. They've got a really great way of bringing things across. But you get them behind a microphone or on a camera and it's not the same because that's not in their skill set um so you want to you want to i'd say you always want to make sure you've spoken to or interacted with the people that you're going to bring on just to make sure that they're comfortable and and the right kind of person to to be bringing on for that sort of a thing uh so that that would be a, just a few starters for 10 really all right and why is this important to have these conversations um and then piggybacking on that i know when you started unbelievable and and this sort of debate format you did get some pushback didn't you from christians who thought well why are you really uh why are you exposing christians on a christian radio station to the arguments against christianity so why is it important and are you running a risk here of causing christians to lose their faith yeah it's a great question and when we did start this it was just a radio program not a podcast initially and yeah, I did get pushback from Christians listening who were like, you know, we've got plenty of atheists on the BBC. Do we need to have them on our Christian radio station as well? And and my feeling was actually, um, well, frankly, the people who didn't like it just learned to skip that hour and a half on a Saturday afternoon. But actually, lots of people said they really enjoyed it and found it helpful, even though it was challenging, because actually they were surrounded by skeptics and atheists in their day to day life. And, and it was helpful to hear good conversations modeled well and and at least in this context um you're not simply hearing the atheist though you will hear an atheist giving a, a cogent you know argument against christianity but you'll also hopefully hear a christian giving a good defense of christianity as well and i think it, it pays off in the long run to develop that kind of um a willingness to listen to your opponent a willingness to hear what a conversation could look like in that context and you kind of develop a thick skin in the end i think the problem is that many christians because they've never exposed themselves to this stuff um they they have a knee-jerk response of fear when they hear something that potentially is an objection to their faith and they run a mile but we live in a world where you're only a google click away from radical skepticism and you know if you want to if you've kind of le re led a relatively insulated existence against um online skepticism then well done you but your children won't and your grandchildren won't you've got to be prepared for the fact that this stuff is there and we might as well expose ourselves to it in a situation where at least we have a decent response on the other side so so i i think it's time in a way i, I mean this putting it kind of harshly but it's time for some christians to grow up and realize that this is the world we live in and if you're not ready with an answer 
then you're going to find that really difficult um so so i hope that for those who who have eventually you know that there's always a danger yeah absolutely it's we don't set this up so that the christian wins hands down every time or anything like that it's a it's a genuine conversation you know it'll depend on who's got the the best of it on the day and that's not always necessarily the christian okay but i think anyone who listens over you know a reasonable stretch of time to the unbelievable show they won't be able to go away saying christianity is just a load of fairy tales and nonsense because they're hearing intelligent people making a rational case for christianity now you may not ultimately be convinced okay but the but what you can't say is that there's absolutely nothing to this um and and that's what i've experienced time and again some people who are atheists or skeptics have converted in part because of the show many haven't but they do have nonetheless a new respect for christianity because we're willing to entertain these conversations and and they've actually realized there are intelligent christians out there with points of view that are worth hearing now just to play devil's advocate couldn't the same be said for the the flip side of the issue um is this potentially showing christians that there is something to atheism that you know uh that maybe there's more than just a simple bare denial of god's existence or something like that could could you make that point as well or could someone yeah. make that point of course of course and in a way again i don't see that there's a problem with that you know as christians we're interested in truth and if the truth is that not all atheists are simply nihilistic god deniers then maybe that's worth finding out and and exploring um and in fact you might work find out that there are some very nice atheists out there as i have um indeed the vast majority of atheists i speak to are, are very nice people um so i think i think actually there's a huge danger when we don't ever actually do talk to each other that we essentially just build caricatures of each other and that happens on the christian or atheist side um and so actually sitting down having those kinds of face-to-face -face conversations really does help to flesh out the person that you're addressing stops them being just a, an idea or an ideology uh, and makes them into a person and that makes actually i think in the long run again for for way more fruitful conversations um and it, and yeah you run the risk that you will be changed you want okay i think we've lost the connection if you look on my screen right now justin is uh is frozen uh, could be a bad connection we are connecting from all, all the way okay there are you, looks like you're back oh well he did say that drama is a crucial ingredient into a, a good conversation so we're getting some electronic uh technology drama right now and uh, so that must mean this is a great conversation justin can you can you still hear me <laughs> i can hear you now yeah sorry we lost connection for a moment there that, that that may be at my end for which i apologize joel very well could be at my end i mean if, if you think about it we're connected by uh, uh cables running underneath the atlantic ocean right now uh maybe uh you know a, a shark bit one of the lines or something it's just amazing what we can do through technology but um it, it is but but it doesn't always... we're connected again so from where we left off perfect um so you you mentioned in your book on page 175 176 you seem to indicate that new atheism, the movement um, with which we associate figures like Dawkins and Dennett, Sam Harris, uh, the late Christopher Hitchens, it's actually a, a diminishing movement. You talk about the rise of atheism 2.0, which is still very much untested, still very uh, nebulous as to what could become of that. Um, you, you mentioned that, um, I believe it was Pew Research that showed by 2020, but by this year, 
the global population of atheists was projected to decrease to 1.8%. So how important is it right now for us to still be dealing with atheism and uh, agnosticism and anti-theism? How important is that globally? How important is that in the English-speaking world? And I'm curious, what do you think is next? Or will it be atheism for quite some time? Well, obviously, the new atheism hasn't gone away per se. And, and I think it's important to recognize that there's there's still plenty of that Dawkins-style atheism awash, especially in, you know, the recesses of the internet. Um, and so so in a way, that there, there's... do you think the conversation, though, in the public sphere has moved? Well, on my end, it looks like we've lost connection again. Uh, it could be something with the local internet here. Um, obviously, with lockdown, everybody is quarantined. Everybody's at home. But um, we're going to try and see if we can get the connection back up and running. And, um, you know, I'm speaking today with Justin Brierley, who is the host of the Unbelievable Podcast If you're uh, and radio show. And if you're just now joining us, um, it's, it, what, what we've talked about so far is that these conversations are vital to have nowadays because of the situation in which we find ourselves. Obviously, if you, unless you've been living under a rock for the last, um, you know, <laughs> for your whole life, uh, you've seen that uh, not everybody out, not everyone out there is a Christian. Um, in fact, we're surrounded by people who believe differently, who not only have different differing beliefs, but also have no belief at all. And um, it's so important for us to be able to interact with our neighbors in a neighborly way. Um, so Justin, uh, is he seems to have lost connection. We're going to hope to get him back. But Lynn DeRussia, my friend Lynn, um, has asked the question, Please define new atheism. That's a great question. I guess we should define those terms while we're waiting for um, for Justin to return. So the new atheist, uh, new oh good, okay, it looks like Justin is back. I'm going to add him back to the stream. And um, okay, Justin, welcome back. I'm so sorry, Joel. I uh, this may this may be um, the fact um, my my kids are on Netflix or something in the background, but um, we, <laughs> we we don't have a very very strong wi-fi in our house uh so so no my apologies but yeah we're, we're back together now aren't we well yes we are and you know while you were um gone we did get the question could you please define new atheism could we just mm. take a minute just very briefly and define just for for people who are playing catch up with that term Sure. Um, well, the new atheism really is a sort of more dogmatic form of atheism that especially developed in the sort of um, late um, 2000s and around 2010 probably was the zenith of new atheism. And a typical example is Richard Dawkins book, The God Delusion, um, uh, which was a best selling you know, book, along with others like God is Not Great by Christopher Hitchens and others. And so it, w- it was this more public dogmatic form of critique of religion. I think to be honest, probably what sparked it was the 9-11 attacks. Oops, it looks like, and and well, we're having all kinds oh. of fun because I was just talking and it turns out I was on mute. So the uh, <laughs> so between the two of us, it's amazing that we both actually, we do this for a living. This is, uh, this is our job. Um, Would you believe it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
so after 9-11, the, um, uh, the new, atheist, new atheism as a movement sort of began to take off. Was that in response, was that sort of as a, a criticism of just theism in general in light of these attacks that were done in the name of Allah? Or was it more of a, a problem of evil kind of issue that reared its ugly head? How could God allow something like this to happen? Or was it just sort of a, a nihilistic um, lurching uh, on the part of the culture? You, you know, nothing has any meaning. Look what's happening. I, I, I think what I see is having been at the bottom of it was a kind of a general view. It was a slightly un, unhelpful view, but that that somehow religion is generally responsible for the evils in the world. Um, and, and so obviously that particular example of, you know, uh, fundamentalist Islam was the, the, the particular issue at stake there, but it somehow all religions got painted with the same brush uh, in that moment. And, and it led to this, you know, this kind of view, especially espoused by people like Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris, that, that faith is always bad. Superstition is always bad compared to the um, the truth of science and so on. Um, it, in a funny way, though, it, it simply replaced one form of dogmatism with another, uh, which was this this kind of faith in a way in progress and science and that without without religion the world will be a better place of which there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that that, that is going to be the outcome of of getting rid of religion and in fact it wasn't hard to see that that new atheist movement itself quickly sort of swallowed itself in various ways because um, as soon as you try to organize around something you quickly discover the problems that exist so there were all kinds of fallouts between some of the leading characters in this movement um, there were disputes and controversies about speakers and things they had done at conferences and people who wanted to take the movement in one direction and others in another direction so in an ironic way it experienced just as many splits as the average religion does um in the course of of you know of, of the next several years and that's why i say i think the conversations moved on a bit since that because i think people realized well you you may be trying to tear down religion with this new atheist thing but what are you going to replace it with people still need some structure some meaning some kind of narrative to live their life by we don't simply exist in a vacuum and despite the best efforts of some of these characters to sell science or whatever as as the the, the thing we should be basing our lives on people i think quickly realized that's just a you know science is just a neutral thing you can use it for good or for evil but how do we work out what is the right way of living how do we work out what is the wrong way of living and for that you ultimately come back to something that goes beyond nature you you have to go to the supernatural you have to go to something transcendent and so that's i think where the conversation has been turning again with interesting characters in recent years like jordan peterson and douglas murray and brett weinstein and others you know this so-called intellectual dark web these sort of slightly um out out of the box thinkers politically incorrect folk who are asking interesting questions again uh so i featured a number of them on my show over the last few years uh people who who, as it turned out, even though they're secular, are sort of acknowledging the value of religion and realizing that maybe we're a bit too quick to, to throw the baby out with the bathwater, if you like, um, and are taking a different view on these things to to the Hitchens and the, the Dawkins and Harrison. Looks like we've dropped out again briefly there. A little bit. Joel, but uh, carry on. Yes. Um, so I've been 
interacting with Jordan Peterson's thought a little bit. Uh, my brother and I have a sort of a sub podcast. Uh, my brother's a bit of a philosopher in his own right, uh, seminary student. And so we, we host a podcast called Sons of Thunder. And uh, this is where we get into a lot of those ideas of the intellectual dark web and Jordan Peterson. And so I've been reading Peterson and I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but to interact with his thought and to hear the way he talks about religion and, and about even Christianity, you, you just want to just take them and say, just grab them by the shoulders and Dr. Peterson, please, you, you're right there. You're right there. You know, go you're on the edge. Yeah. Go in, go in. Um, you, you know, you can see it, you know, you're, it's just a matter of time. Um, how do you know, Justin, how do you know when you've hosted a really good conversation? Is there something that you can feel in the moment? Um, do you have to wait till afterwards when you see the response of your listeners? How do you know when it's been, when you've met your goal of having a very good conversation? Yeah. Yeah. I think you can tell in the moment. Um, if I'm enjoying it, I know the average listener is probably, probably enjoying it as well. Um, and, uh, and, and that, that can be a very different mixture of things. But usually it's going to be two people who have had quite a sparky, engaging discussion, you know, uh, where there was, wasn't too passive, but it wasn't too aggressive either, um, where you feel like you've learned something along the way. I, I always enjoy shows where I come out feeling like actually that wasn't just entertaining to watch, but I feel like I've actually learned a few things as well. Um, and and you know, generally speaking, you know, both parties tend to be civil and um, you know, shake hands at the end, even if they've disagreed strongly in the course of a discussion. I mean, one that I'm thinking of where I knew once that conversation was recorded that it was absolute gold um, was one we did for our big conversation series last year where uh, Tom Holland and AC Grayling got together to debate the kind of the history of Christianity in some ways or whether Christianity gave us our values in the Yes. Uh, so I lost you for a second there, but... Um, I listened to that episode and really, really enjoyed it. And I believe that was uh, the first time I've heard an expression that you used to describe it, which uh, I really want to find a way to work into my own conversations, which is barnstormer. I think you described it as a real barnstormer of a of a conversation. Um, Justin, it looks like you are, um, I'm, I'm getting a little swirly. Are we back? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. I heard you say, are we back? There's nothing on the screen. You might need to restart your camera again. Um, this could just be the, the joy of using this particular program, StreamWeb. Um, okay. I, I can see you. I, I I suspect it might be my, my Wi-Fi or something is behaving particularly badly this afternoon, for which I was... Um, but uh, I'm enjoying the moments when we are we are online together. <laughs> Me too. Um, I, sh shall I pick it up again? Sure. Yes, please. Shall I pick it up again from Tom Holland? Yes, please. Yes. And, and AC Grayling. Okay. Yes, I, I hope great. it's coming through. Um, okay. So said uh, they they joined me to debate uh, the um, Christianity is. Looks like we are still having some connectivity problems. Um. Let's just take a minute here and um, I'll just let you know if you want to share your feedback about this episode, uh, we'd love for you to get in touch. 
And um, one of the things that Justin will typically do on the Unbelievable podcast is he will share feedback that um, folks write in and and uh, he'll share that on the latter part of the show. Okay, I can see you. It looks like, <laughs> you know what? If we were both a bit more charismatic, we might um, want to, uh, you know, cast out the the demon of internet uh, connectivity here. But, uh, yep. Okay, lost you again. We're not having much luck here, are we? We we are not. I was just um, saying that. Yeah, sorry. We I think we've got a. We might. Um, maybe we should. You know, maybe we should begin to bring it to a close anyway. Um, I think we've 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 uh, hit a few points. I think that were really good. You know, in having this conversation, I was being a little selfish anyway because I host conversations like this and I want to know how to do a better job. So, could you, Justin? Maybe if you could um, just uh, let us know, for for those who want to have this kind of conversation, or and maybe not on a podcast or a radio show, just in their everyday life, what are just a couple of pointers on how to how to seek them out, how to maintain um, a, a positive Christ-like attitude even while not abandoning our foundation of Christian belief. And you know what should be the goal of one of these conversations? And then after this, uh, we'll go ahead. We'll we'll begin to bring the podcast to a close if that's all right. Sure, sure. Um, well, I, I'd say in, in our everyday life, you know, it, it very much depends on the circles you move in as to whether you're going to bump into people who, who want to have these kinds of conversations. I think I think it's uh, important that you know when Christians, you know, look at that classic verse, First Peter three fifteen always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the reason for the hope that you have. There's an expectation there that people are going to be asking. And and if you have surrounded yourself in a Christian bubble when no one ever really asks you about your Christian faith, um, you've got to ask yourself, well, well, maybe I need to get out of my bubble and lead a life that provokes questions. So so I think we need to be doing that in, a, in our everyday life, um, not kind of be going out to bash people around the head with a bible or anything like that but but be open and find the opportunity all right well it does look like we've lost connection one more time um here's an interesting uh fact that uh i discovered when i was reading justin's book which i highly recommend um i i finished it now i listened to um part of it on audio on audible and then i read part of it on my kindle but um, I did find the book very engaging. And an interesting fact about Justin's own work is he was, I'm not sure the exact title that he had, but he was managing the promotion for some events that William Lane Craig, who's a Christian apologist, was doing uh, around London. And um, Richard Dawkins, who's a notorious atheist, we mentioned him earlier, had um, sort of promoted these, uh, had, had been promoting atheism with this um, this series of bus ads that said, there's probably no God, so relax and enjoy your life. And Justin was behind, Justin, I'm just telling this, this story from your book about how you had your um, uh, bus signs, bus sign campaign promoting William Lane Craig's uh, talks, uh, which said, so Dawkins 
signs, the signs, the signs that he had been promoting said, there's probably no God. So just relax and enjoy your life. Something to that effect. And, and, uh, the signs that your group put up said, there's probably no Dawkins. So relax and enjoy. And then you had the date of the events, which I thought was just absolutely hilarious when I saw that. And I had no idea that you were the one kind of behind that. Um, yeah, yeah, no, the, the the it was a great it was great fun actually. This was back in 2011, believe it or not, and wow. uh, I was part of a small committee helping to organise a uh, a tour of the UK for William Lane Craig. And yes, it was just a sort of the year after there had been this bus campaign in London, which you mentioned, and so we we a rather tongue in cheek um, bus campaign in Oxford was launched because we'd invited Richard Dawkins, you know, who would, you know, put his cards on the table with the God delusion and well known as an atheist and critic of Christianity. And we said, well, look, why don't you step up and debate one of the leading proponents of Christianity in the world? Um, and he consistently refused to do that. He gave a number of various different reasons why he he refused to. So, so we eventually did launch this bus campaign. Uh, so there were these buses running around Oxford saying, um, there's probably no Dawkins, but turn up at the Sheldonian Theatre and find out. So, um, so that was that was fun. Uh, I, I I think there is a place for Christians to to to, to be a little bit cheeky and um, get their message out in that sort of way. Um, and uh, it did provoke quite a lot of interest uh, in news articles and so on. Um, so so yeah, that 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 was a fun one. Very cool. Well, um, okay. It it looks like we've. <laughs> You've lost connectivity one last time here. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to bring this to a close and um, I'm going to send Justin a message here. Uh, maybe it's the platform that we're using. It very well could be. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try to connect with Justin via some other means, whether uh, a Facebook um, video chat or, or um, Google Hangouts or something like that. Um, Lord willing, this won't be the last time the two of us get to have a conversation. I want to thank everyone for watching, and I do apologize for the spottiness of the uh, internet connection, but this is life. This is how things go sometimes in the internet age, and as the majority of us are on lockdown around the world right now, uh, this is just a reality of life where we are trying to connect digitally, and then therefore we have to deal with the pitfalls and the uncertainties of these digital connections. So um, hopefully you you heard something today that was helpful. And I know I did. I, I really like what Justin had to say about how he um, how he facilitates the conversations and uh, tries to match up guests that are going to be at odds with each other, perhaps, but not too fiery, but just fiery enough. And um, you know, as a, a younger podcaster in the game right now, um, although I don't look very young with this uh, this mustache, <laughs> my Corona stash, but um, you know I'm very interested in learning how to have these great conversations. Maybe you are too. And if that's the case, then I hope that you've gotten something that you can put into practice. I know uh, some of you are having conversations like this. Others of you have been looking for opportunities to have these kind of conversations. And I hope that you've heard something today from Justin that you'll be able to to put into action. You know, one of the great things about interviewing some someone like Justin Brierly, and I, I'll say this, he and I don't agree on every point of theology, on every point of ecclesiology, uh, having to do you know, with the theology of the church. But 
when you get to talk with somebody like this who's been in the game for years, who has hosted hundreds of these excellent conversations, you have to listen and you have to be willing to learn. And so um, I hope that you have found something that uh, that you've been able to learn, something you've been able to to um, to sort of put in your back pocket. I know I have. Justin's a guy that I very much look up to in terms of his skill and um, uh, knowledge of in this in this area of hosting epic conversations and i i hope that um i hope that this has been helpful and you know what this is not goodbye this has just been a little pit stop along the road of your spiritual journey and um, if you would like to get in touch with justin you can go ahead and do that simply you can connect with him on twitter his handle on twitter is at unbelievable jb um, also you might want to do what i did which was to join the facebook group the unbelievable facebook group which um, i will say you want to talk about some barnstormers of conversations there are some excellent discussions and conversations that go on in that facebook group and if you're a believer who's just getting into the realm of apologetics might i suggest that you join that group and really begin to uh, to whet your appetite and dip your toe in the water in terms of having these conversations because there are plenty of skeptics and unbelievers who are in that group who are itching for a conversation with a Christian. Uh, you don't have to have all the answers, but being willing to start the conversation oftentimes is a, a first step that the Lord will greatly bless and benefit. Even think about Justin's own uh, story where he was in university, he was in college, and he was willing to have that conversation with a skeptic that ended up leading him on a path that led to the unbelievable podcast and the other shows uh, that he does and the book that he wrote. So you never know where the conversation will lead you. So connect with the Think Institute simply by going to thethink.institute. Connect with us on social media. We, on Facebook and Instagram, we are at the Think Institute. On Twitter, it's at thinkinst, I-N-S-T. Let me encourage you, if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the Think Podcast. We are on all the platforms. We're just recently um, uploaded. We're, we're just recently now on Spotify, as well as Stitcher, of course, Apple Podcasts, all the platforms. And if you haven't done so yet, if you've been listening for a while, you like the content, please leave us an honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I can't tell you how much I appreciate when you do that. It helps to commend others, not only to our podcast, but also to the other great podcasters who are out there doing similar work, uh, better work, different work, but who nevertheless are trying to host the conversation on life and faith and getting the gospel of Jesus Christ out there. So thank you for listening. And that's all I have for you today. Um, Justin, I want to thank my guest, Justin Brierly, for joining me and having this excellent conversation. I do apologize for the internet connectivity issues. And until next time, I hope it made you think.